Welcome to the Financial Futurist Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Schenker, the Financial Futurist. Bloomberg News ranks me one of the top financial forecasters in the world in my role as the president of Prestige Economics. I'm also the chairman of the Futurist Institute. And on this podcast, we talk about markets, business, and future technology. This is the Financial Futurist Podcast. This week on the Financial Futurist Podcast, we'll talk about global growth, purchasing manager indices, commodity prices, inflation, and ed tech. We'll cover these subjects and more on this week's episode of the Financial Futurist Podcast. One of the most important dynamics that drives financial markets is the health of the global economy. And the best insight into the global economy's health comes from looking at Purchasing Manager Indices, PMIs. And while the economic data docket was light last week, this week the PMIs from China, the United States, and the Eurozone will be released for the month of February. PMIs above 50 show expansions month over month, and PMIs below 50 convey contractions month over month, while those at 50 convey no change. In January 2018, there were expansions in the Chinese PMI, the US ISM Manufacturing Index, and the Eurozone Manufacturing PMI. In February, we expect expansions in all three of these as well. While manufacturing is a small component of the global economy and an even smaller component of US and Eurozone GDPs, where it's around 11%, it's a capital-intense business, and any slowing in PMIs could indicate that there is a broader cause for concern. But right now, that's the last thing we should be worried about because the Eurozone manufacturing PMI has expanded for 55 consecutive months through January, and the US ISM has expanded in 22 of the last 23 months through January. While things look good in the United States, in the Eurozone, they're even hotter. The Eurozone manufacturing PMI has expanded for 55 consecutive months, with the potential to expand for a 56th consecutive month in February, and the European Central Bank is still engaging in quantitative easing and still has negative deposit rates. This should underscore the potential for upside risks to the euro and the potential for monetary policy tightening. In sum, the eurozone economy has never been this hot. And that means that inflation is coming. And when inflation does come, the European Central Bank will be quick to respond. In the US, the ISM has been at very strong levels in recent months. But there's going to be very close attention paid to this February index because the equity markets took such a big hit in the month of February and there was a cause for concern. While I've commented about the equity market volatility over the past month as being similar to the taper tantrum of 2013, there is the potential that it could have had an impact on business. If it did not, that's very supportive, and that's going to be a very positive thing economically. Nevertheless, whether the Eurozone and ISM manufacturing PMIs continue to show very strong expansions, or if there's a little bit of a slowdown, we still expect those economies will be solid in 2018. For commodity prices, the Chinese Saishin manufacturing PMI, the private compiled PMI of small and medium-sized manufacturers is most critical. It's been unchanged over the past two months at 51.5 for January 2018 and December 2017. If we see it remain at that level or increase, that's likely to be positive for oil prices and industrial metals prices, especially non-ferrous prices. Whereas if we were to see that drop a little bit but still remain above 50, it could be choppy or even somewhat bearish for industrial metals prices. We expect it to remain close to this level, and we expect industrial metals prices are likely to rise on trend through the balance of the year, 
and be up year over year. We have a similar outlook for oil prices. Given these positive likely releases for global economic growth and the potential for more inflation that would accompany higher commodity prices and more growth, we see the potential for higher interest rates this year to remain a cause for concern. That might not be at the front of mind this week, although the PCE reports will be released. And if those increase, that's going to be a big deal. But it was really that jobs report for January that was released on February 2nd that triggered the equity market volatility we saw in the month of February. Those big sell-offs were triggered by that jobs report and wage inflation that was surprisingly at 2.9% year over year. The February jobs report will not be released until March 9th, but when it is, you can bet that that wage inflation number will be top of mind and what people are focused on. If we continue to see that number remain at this level near 3% or rise higher, the equity market turbulence that we've seen in February could resume. In any case, inflation is likely to rise on trend and interest rates are likely going up as well. The economy is growing strongly and there's a potential for the budget to run a deficit and there's a potential for additional deficit spending to be put in the works as well. And those factors mean more debt needs to be financed, which means interest rates could rise at the back of the curve. Higher interest rates pose a threat to businesses in the same way that a relatively tight labor market right now poses a threat to business and higher commodity prices pose a threat to business. These factors, higher input costs, higher interest rates, and higher commodity prices erode profitability and profit margins of companies and can inadvertently cause the economy to slow. It's just part of the normal business cycle. But the most important indicators really to watch this week, especially for commodity markets and for global policy implications, especially regarding monetary policy, you want to be watching those PMI numbers. I'm Jason Schenker, and you're listening to the Financial Futurist Podcast. Beyond the economic data we look at week to week, one topic I wanted to talk about in the technology portion of the podcast is ed tech, education technology, a subject that I covered in the book Jobs for Robots, as well as a subject that came up frequently in the Robot and Automation Almanac, which was a collection of essays from 23 different experts, executives, and investors in robotics and automation, is the notion that the future of work will be different. We will be using robots, we will be using automation, and some jobs will no longer be done by people. This means that the economy broadly is transitioning to an intellectual capital economy, and that means more education is needed. I'm actually going to be on a panel this week as part of the Texas Business Leadership Council, which is the state-level business roundtable for the state of Texas, comprised of 100 CEOs that advise Texas state and federal elected leadership. And the focus of the panel I'll be on this week will be around the systemic challenges to education and potential solutions at every different level. So here's the thing. It's not just more people need to graduate from high school. It's also that more people need to graduate from college and more people need to graduate from trade schools and more people need to graduate from master's programs and more people need to be doing professional continuing education programs. I'm really fortunate I'll be on a panel with a number of experts who are looking at this from different perspectives. Rex Gore, who's the founder of Peloton University, which is an accountability group model for pushing people through education who may be doing their courses online and have a support system across people taking different courses, but they meet on a regular basis. Jamie Pennebaker will also be on the panel. He's a provost at the University of Texas at Austin, and he's one of the people behind Project 2021, which is pushing to have more students at UT Austin take courses online. Of course, I'm on the panel, and I'll be talking about the Futurist Institute, which focuses on postgraduate education and professional education, as well as continuing education hours to make sure that people in professions are 
also prepared for the future of work and the professional challenges and opportunities that come with increased robotics, automation, and other fundamental changes that come from new and emerging technologies that will impact our workplaces. I think it's a great panel because we're systemically attacking education from non-traditional completion of high school and college, and then looking at the college perspective, and then looking at the postgraduate experience. And topping it off, we'll have David Gardner, who's on the Higher Education Coordinating Board, which is really something special. So we're going to have a number of different people looking at this and having that conversation. And I wanted to share this with you because I think this is an important topic, because even though we'll be addressing it sort of in a context of how things are being approached in Texas, this is something that needs to be approached everywhere. Education is the only solution to making sure that we have an educated, productive workforce as we move into a more intellectual capital economy. There's no other solution. And so a systemic approach needs to be taken where individuals across the entire system need to be pushed to higher levels of education to enhance the intellectual capital that they have. Formal, informal, online, undergraduate, graduate, postgraduate, and everything in between. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Futurist Podcast with me, Jason Schenker the financial futurist. You can follow me on Twitter at Prestige Econ and check out my website, jasonschenker.com. On jasonschenker.com, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter to make sure you're getting the latest and most important information about markets, business, and future technology. Until next week.